captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. This is the podcast on the Geek News Now Network that talks about both Star Wars and Star Trek in the same podcast. My name is Jonathan, and as he is for every episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Stow. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good there, Jonathan. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. It's uh, we have a lot of animation to talk about today. Uh, so, yes. I, I mean, that's one of my favorite ways to enjoy Trek and Wars now. Uh, and I didn't even think that I was going to enjoy Star Trek in animated form, but uh, both both Prodigy and Lower Decks have consistently proved me wrong. So. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to talking a little bit about some of our uh, favorite cartoons here that are, you know, kind of basically made for adults. Now, it seems like even though they're kind of geared, they're written as geared for kids to some degree. Yep. But that's that's the beauty of animation is there's something for everybody to enjoy, whether you're an adult or a child. You got it. You got it. Anything exciting happened in your life this week? Absolutely nothing, except for one tiny little thing. So for Christmas, I got my very first Amazon gift card, and somebody gave me $100 on it, which really surprised me. So I I I decided to go on Amazon and see if they had any special Star Trek stuff. And there was a watch that I've seen advertised for a long time. It has uh, one of the hour hand actually is the the star symbol that's inside the Starfleet Delta. And then they have this, the enterprise going around in a circle, ticking around with like streaks coming out of the engines. And then it has the science symbol on the minute hand. So I managed yeah. to get it for 45 bucks and okay. just, I just got it two days ago. Very nice. That's, that's about it. How about you? <laughs> uh, I mean, not too much, but it's funny that you mentioned you got to watch cause, uh, I got a, a late arrival Christmas present from Kylie. Uh, oh. I got, she got me, uh, an Invicta watch that has, uh, Grogu and, uh, Mando's helmet on, on the face. And it's, it's just, it's a really big, thick watch, but it's mm-hmm. really nice. Like I want to say it was originally $600 and she said she got it for 60 or 70. Wow. Man, that was a good deal. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't pass that up. I... <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. That's perfect. You know, I got to see a picture of it. You got to send me one. Mine's oh, on yeah. my Facebook page. So yeah, yeah, uh, I'll definitely send you a picture sometime. Right. Cool. Oh, I guess the only other thing I got was a uh, Christmas clearance at Walmart. I managed to get for seventy five percent off a Grogu Chia pet. I got it for four ninety nine. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Have you have you cracked that open yet and started growing it? Not yet, but I'm going to here shortly. <laughs> probably this weekend. Nice. Nice. Mm. All right. So on that note, that's kind of our catch up moment. But uh, I want to shift focus to the way we kind of start every show. And that's with how did you geek this week? So, Chris, why don't you 
tell me what happened in your life uh, on a on a geeky spectrum. On a geeky spectrum, you'd be surprised. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Just finally catching up on Prodigy and checking in on the Bad Batch. That's about it. And then I watched, rewatched a little bit of the last three episodes of Clone War Season 7, just for the heck of it. But that's really about it. Nice, nice. Hey, you know well, what? How about sometimes, you? sometimes you just got to stick to what you know, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know. So how did you geek this week? Uh, well, I do actually have something to share um right. that's kind of unique and kind of it's it started a little while back like a few weeks ago but you know we haven't really recorded it had a chance to talk about it but um the uh the network that hosts our podcast geek news now uh you know they're a multimedia uh operation you know fueled by the fans it's all fan written fan driven content you know we have our youtube channel we have the website we have facebook pages and groups but we uh, recently relaunched the GNN Gaming Team, kind of GNN Gaming Team 2.0. There are multiple gamers. Each of them have their own Twitch profiles and Twitch accounts, but they all have GNN pro- you know, before it. So it's like mine is GNN underscore Just a Disney Geek. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, so I joined the the GNN gaming team, and I'm also the um, basically the coordinator to keep us all on task and and do scheduling and that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm really diving uh, a little bit more into the GNN family here than just this podcast. Oh, that's nice. That's good that you're you're able to do that and, and add on to the things that you're doing. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, my plan, um, I actually went live for the first time on Monday playing, uh, rather playing through Jedi Fallen Order again for the second time so that I'm prepared for the uh, the sequel that comes out in March. So um, I'll be streaming Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and uh, my my Twitch profile is GNN underscore just a Disney geek. So that's kind of where uh, it'll kind of be an extension of CLL podcast. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll be playing Star Wars and Star Trek games primarily, but I'll be throwing in some other stuff for, at random too. Nice. Well, congrats on that. I think that's wonderful. Keep up the good work on that. Thanks, man. Thanks. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a lot, but it's now that it's now that we've kind of got it going, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a little, it's starting to come together a lot better. Mm-hmm. Well, good, good. Don't get technical with me. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, Polaris, not the end. The Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense. Okay, let's get started with the real reason why we are here today recording this episode, and that is to talk about two animated shows, one that just recently finished up its first season, and another that started its second season. Both Star Wars and Star Trek fans have had a lot of good animation uh, this year and last to look forward to and and enjoy. Uh, And we are, let's, you know, let's start with the Star Wars side of things. And we're going to talk about the season two premiere of The Bad Batch, as well as the most recent episode that aired uh, as of Wednesday, January 11th. Um, so we're going to talk about the first three episodes of the Bad Batch today. Nice. All right. Chris, overall thoughts on the two episode premiere. Um, I don't remember the exact name of the episodes, but I'm calling it the Sereno job just because that's where the, the episodes take place. 
Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, just in case you need them, though, the episode one is Spoils of War and episode two is Ruins of War. OK, thank you. Yep. No problem. No problem. Uh, you know what? I actually I enjoyed them. Part one, I seem to enjoy a little bit more than part two. It was nice kind of getting reintroduced to the, the Bad Batch characters and Omega watching them pulling off that little heist on that beach planet or island world or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very interesting how Echo's kind of having some sort of issue with the fact that they took and rescued Omega from Kamino and feels like basically because of her, they're basically on the run from the Empire at this point. Yeah. So they get this opportunity to go and they to go on a mission to was it Castle Sereno, I believe it was called, Count Duca's old fortress, mm-hmm. and to go and try to steal some of his war chest. And the the lady that they work with, I'm I'm blanking on her name at this point. Do you remember her name? Oh, I can't remember either. I'm I'm terrible with character names. I can I'm I'm lucky I remember the the, the people on the Bad Batch. Oh no, I hear you. I I can't get Hunter and Wrecker. I get them mixed up all the time, you know. <laughs> and I, then I hear them in Omega's voice, you know, and it, they yeah. don't sound like their names. But anyway, <laughs> they don't. But anyway, no. they, they figure if they could get some of this war chest, they would actually be able to kind of have enough money to kind of live off the grid and and not have to hide and run from the Empire. So they go on this mission, which is, you know, a basic, straightforward mission. Of course, they get separated. So you have Echo, Tech, and Omega trapped inside sh- the cargo ship number three, trying to get one of the, the chests of... Uh, riches or whatever and then uh hunter and wrecker are on the uh, on the planet trying to protect the rest of the crew from the clone troopers you know it it was exciting i thought what was really interesting was that they actually those escape pods they were released but they also had these containers that had these thrusters that they were able to go and you know fly through the air of course they they just happen to have those you know but that's animation and (laughs) stuff like that that was okay but um it was neat uh watching them falling down but of course they land on a ledge and actually they managed to get out but of course it goes down uh it's nice that we actually got to know a little bit about the the sereno people uh Mm -hmm. i was i was starting to wonder if, if were they were they openly working for Count Dooku or did were they basically forced into it? And right. you know, I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? I my knowledge of the the politics of Sereno are pretty minimal. I mean, uh-huh. obviously, you know, with uh, with De- with Dooku being the leader of the Separatists, I, I want to say that Sereno was probably aligned with him at least initially you know mm-hmm. to to possibly secede from the republic but mm-hmm. yeah I, I i wouldn't be surprised that as the war went on that uh in order to you know to fuel his mission and drive him to victory you know he may mm-hmm. have exerted more uh will against the people it doesn't surprise me that the empire did an orbital bombardment to get rid of them. That seems to be how they try to silence anybody who's opposition or their enemies. It seems Pretty to be much, their yeah. preferred choice. Yeah. I mean, it fits. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I thought it was nice to see that the bonding between Echo and Omega, I think that Echo realized he kind of crossed a line. It really, sure. Omega's just a young girl, you know, it wasn't her fault. And they, they did. And he ended up realizing that they did the right thing. And, 
I think he realized that that was more important than any kind of freedom or any kind of money or anything like that. So that was a nice lesson that came out of that. But I'll be honest with you, overall, the two-part episode just felt like a regular... It, it didn't really seem like it added to the story. It was just a one-off thing in a two-part. Yeah, really I mean, my part. I, I think the episode was just kind of there to get us excited about the Bad Batch again, to kind mm-hmm. of have an action-packed episode that was worthy of a premiere without really adding much story. I mean, yeah, we got a little bit throughout. Uh, I, I did... <laughs> so... Uh, I, I did really enjoy the um, all the, uh, the the dress down by Wanda Sykes character. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, in in the little cantina, um, just and, and I really got a kick out of the face tattoo line and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when she was talking about Hunter. Um, yes, she's like yeah, real subtle. <laughs> yes, and she seemed to really like Tech, his brown eyes. Yeah. You know, she was into that. What else did she say to her? What was it to record? Let's put those good muscles to use or something. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was. So a, a, yeah. Yeah. So there's a nice little flirtiness to her. That's going to be a lot of fun if she's going to be a recurring character. And I'll be honest with you. I've always enjoyed Wanda Sykes, her sense yeah. of humor and her, even just the way her voice sounds just goes perfectly with her sense of humor. And yeah. I, as soon as I heard that voice, I was like, that's Wanda Sykes, isn't it? You know, so mm-hmm. it's cool that now she's going to be part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, um, and I also, don't think you bring—I don't think you bring in someone like Wanda Sykes if you don't intend to have her do multiple episodes, though. Exactly. No, I agree with you absolutely. Uh, also, it's nice to see that AZ three four five yada 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 was actually—he uh, survived the end of season one. Every when we, we when I watched the season finale last year, I was so worried. He, he kind of reminds me of like a pet or like an animal. Mm-hmm. And the thought of him like getting destroyed or being shut down and being gone for good kind of bothered me. Right. So it was nice to see him uh, floating around and having a new job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was kind of fun. Nice little callback to, you know, to the final or the, the final episodes of, of season one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, it sounds I, like. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I just the the whole nature of finish this one job and you'll be able to disappear. Yeah, right. What kind of season would that be if they just, okay, here's our mission. We completed it successfully and now you'll never hear from us again, please. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I agree with that. Absolutely. And the Empire's becoming so strong so quickly. Yeah. There's no way that, that they would be off the grid for long. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I. I know you said you kind of enjoyed the first part of the two part mm-hmm. premiere more so than you enjoyed the second half. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, I don't know. It just, it was kind of boring. Yes. <laughs> so did you happen to recognize the voice of Romar that the Sereno native that was helping the bad batch? I, no, I didn't. Ah, uh, did you ever watch Last Man Standing? Yes. Yes, I have. That was, uh, Mr. Alizante. Are you serious? Yeah, that was, that was Hector Elizondo. Oh, wow. That, that's I noticed it cool. right away. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, I did not pick up on that at all. Good catch. You're really good with the Easter eggs, the small, the small <laughs> little things. You've got a knack for it. Yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so humble there, sir. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> um I I thought, you know, whenever uh Wrecker was able to um 
commandeer the tank, the the separatist tank, and yes. use the uh, the big cannon. He's like, boom! I make a pretty good tank. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that was probably one of the best lines of the whole so- show. Honestly. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was nice getting to see the connections back from the Clone Wars again. Like you said, seeing the Separatist tanks and and the droid that they just yanked out of there. I think it was Mm Wrecker who did that. You know, that's always a little bit of fun seeing those little throwbacks to things. But after that, the rest of the episode was just dark visually. It was hard to see what was going on. It was Mm -hmm. just a basic clone trooper clones chasing the the bad batch again it just it 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 went on i think a little too long and it got too dry yeah i i I almost think like they could have maybe had a supersized first episode maybe instead of 22 minutes making it 43 or something that Mm -hmm. you know just enough to well Actually, when you do the math, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's it's late. My brain is not working. Um, yeah, no, maybe just like an extra 10 to 15 minutes instead of the mm-hmm. full 22 would have probably served all the purpose it needed to. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you. Now, that being said, with all the, the basic kind of boringness of the episode, the very ending of it, I really enjoyed this uh this what's the the name of this this guy admiral vice admiral rampart is that the character yes something like that okay yeah so he's the guy from season one right same character i believe so okay okay so watching him walking with captain wilco and claiming that he was there for the inaccuracies in the mission report and then how wilco said there were no inaccuracies and i'm not going to fudge the information for you Mm -hmm. and so he ends up being killed by rampart that was pretty spooky. And it, it ended, there were no words at the end. All you heard was this dark, foreboding music. And then they pull away from it, and you just see Wilco falling down this chasm, yeah. and then it just fades to dark. It actually gave me chills when I saw that. And it makes me, it's making me be very interested to see what's going to be happening more with this Rampart character. You know, what is he truly capable of? He seems like a, a young Tarkin in training, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he's in that type of position of power is because of how ruthless he is. Right. Absolutely. I can tell you exactly. I can tell you exactly where this season is heading. And, you know, um, I, you know, we're heading towards the the dissolution of clone troopers as the Empire's uh, infantry people. Oh, definitely. I mean, we are we I, I am more and more convinced that we are going to see um, the introduction of stormtroopers, of of mm-hmm. recruited stormtroopers rather than manufactured clones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's definitely coming. Definitely coming. You know, I mean, I mean, we saw in episodes like with Obi-Wan Kenobi, we saw clones on the str- streets of different planets. You know, they're like bumming for money, things mm-hmm. like that. So basically, they're, they're, their usefulness is going to be done at some point. It's obvious. Or we, we know that already because then they become stormtroopers. Right. But, you know... Uh, that I just thought it was a very it was a very dark ending and and it was one that I actually enjoyed because it makes it pulled me into like I want to know more about this guy and it also kind of made me wonder too you think about it the Republic always seemed like they had decent people fighting for the greater good things like that but then as soon as they became the Empire all of a sudden all these dark dark people came out and they're vicious and cruel and and evil is that just something that just kind of happened because now they're in power or was that something going on while they were serving the republic as well i would say that uh there's there was a lot of influence by palpatine okay 
You know, because, I mean, look at how he was able to destroy the Jedi Order from within. You don't sure. think that he was uh, grooming people uh, that were close to him in the Republic and, and, you know, telling them or at least letting them in to part of what his plan was. Right. Oh, I'm yeah, sure I'm, he, I'm know, sure. Yeah, he's surrounding himself with the people that he knows would um, enforce his, you know, terrible, terrible demands. Sure, absolutely. And I guess that makes sense, too, because I believe it was in season three of the Clone Wars. Tarkin was in a couple of the Citadel episodes, right? Mm -hmm. I remember correctly. And he was just as dark then, too. And it just didn't seem to fit like the ideals of the Republic. You know, so I guess, you know, it makes sense that Palpatine would have been kind of grooming certain people. Um, And even kind of, I guess, if you tie it into the Rise of Skywalker, there was a there was a general. I can't remember his name, but he ended up killing Hux. And he it said to to Palpatine, as I served you in the in the old wars, as I serve you now, something to that effect. So I guess he was one of the ones as well that had been groomed from back back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I you mean, know. somebody like Palpatine can't uh, have too many people in his inner circle. So he had to be very, very cautious about who he let in and who he, you know, uh, yes, informed of his plans. Yes, so, exactly. Of course, he's going to reward loyalty. Oh, absolutely. And I hope that eventually, they, since th- this seems like this was a theory that you came up with, I I never thought of it this way. So maybe maybe somebody will come up with something about that, an episode of, of one of the shows someday and kind of show a little bit of that. That would be great. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's a lot of stories to tell. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So uh, now let's talk about the most recent episode, the one that aired Wednesday, January 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, I, this one I think is definitely giving us a lot more story and a lot more indication of the direction the show is going to go this season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you give us a little rundown? All right. Well, this episode was called the solitary clone, which makes perfect sense because crosshair was the focus of this episode. None of the rest of the bad batch. So, it, it was really interesting because it showed that he just kind of he, obviously he feels a lot separated, a lot different from the rest of the other clones. And we see that in that mess all at the beginning. The one thing that was very interesting, and it ties back to your point about the clones being retired. One of the clones made a mention of the defense. What is it? The defense recruitment bill. And mm-hmm. they were worried about that. That was possibly going to be going into effect soon, but it was kind of left it at that. So the episode starts on the planet Desix and a, a group of Imperials show up under the leadership of an Imperial governor named Groton. I guess he's going to be the, the regional governor for that area. Well, there is a, a, a political figure, I guess the leader of the planet Desix, her name's Tawny Ames. And basically she takes him and his, I, I don't know what they are clone troopers or are they the first generation of stormtroopers? these new uniforms. Right. So, but anyway, she takes them prisoner. So the empire decides to send crosshair to go and go and rescue them, but they plan to have him be appear as dip, a diplomat rather than as somebody going in there with military force, but they don't feel that he's quite ready to be a leader yet because he spent 32 rotations stranded on Camino. So, but so they end up putting him under command of Commander Cody. And uh, so they end up going to Desix and it's being armed by, I guess you have the, a lot of separatist droids and, and tanks and you even have a tactical droid in there because I guess mm-hmm. Desix was part of the, the separatist movement at, at that time. So yeah. a, a battle ensues. Uh, the, the, the 
I guess the, the desiccants, if you want to call them that, with the the help of these droids, shoot down the uh, shuttle that's bringing Crosshair and their team down there. They end up fighting against the, the droid army. They eventually make it to the governor, uh, Groton, who is basically telling Crosshair and Cody, you know, sh- shoot or do something, you know, rescue me. And it was really interesting that she said we it based on the fact that they were separatists, it made you think that she just was a separatist and just didn't want to be a part of the Republic. But she says something very interesting in it. She said that she at one point had tried to form a treaty with either the separatists and the Republic to end the war, but that Palpatine actually rejected it. And then she said to her, to, to them, peace was never an option at, at this point. And, Cody, that seems to hit something with him. So he actually takes his helmet off, lays his stuff down, and tries to end the siege that they're having right there diplomatically. And she chooses to trust him, which was ended up being a big mistake. Right. And she ends up, she lets him go, and then Groton actually demands that Cody shoot her, but he doesn't follow orders. And while Groton is yelling at Cody for this, Crosshair does the deed and, and takes her out. And the episode ends basically with, I guess they were at like a war memorial for the Republic. And Cody was talking to, to uh, Crosshair about how this just doesn't seem right the way that we were, were fighting here. And we're different from droids in the fact that we have to live with the consequences of our actions. And Cody walked away and Crosshair just kind of, it kind of seemed like he was processing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then we see him again at the end of the episode and we he gets called to that same Imperial's office and he finds out that Cody went AWOL and this the the uh the Imperial officer, I guess it's that uh, that rampart again, um saying it's very interesting how these clones seem to disappear when you're around. And the episode basically ends with Crosshair just kind of walking down a corridor and it makes you kind of made me wonder, you know, is he starting to process, is he starting to think that the that Cody might be right about what's going on. It also was hinted at in the episode that the several of the, the, the clones are actually starting to wonder more and more as a group did acting on order 66. Was that the right thing to do? Are we serving the empire? Are we do, serving what's good, what we were trying to preserve by fighting the clone wars, mm-hmm. you know, and that's pretty much those, that's pretty much where the episode left. And I, I just thought it was a wonderful episode. It, it, it was dark, it, it, but it introduced some different things into the situation about how the clones now seem to be starting to question the Empire rather than just blindly following them. And what repercussions are they going to have coming soon? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's going to be an interesting plot thread that, that you know, presents itself throughout the season. Um, yeah, I mean, you can you can accomplish so much with programming, but look at today's technology, you know, how how our phones learn from us. Our phones are always learning, you know, the way that we speak, the structure of our, our sentences when we type messages or you know, type emails like, you know, the, the predictive text and all of that. I mean, you know, machines are able to learn and adapt. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously humans are, are even more capable of learning and, 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 and adapting. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's while the, the order 66 programming was able to basically be turned on. Um, just like commander Cody said, you know, they have to live with the choices and, and, and the consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I, 
that definitely makes sense why, you know, the empire is moving into this recruitment model, you know, why they want to move into a recruitment model is because, you know, by, by recruiting, they are basically going to get people who are willing to do what the empire wants to have done. Or, you know, if, uh, I don't know if uh, the Star Wars galaxy has a, a a military service draft like we do here in the U S but you know, at, at some point they can draft people and probably still find a way to indoctrinate them to the empire's ways. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. Yeah. It was, it, what was interesting about the episode is basically when we've heard about the inhibitor chips that the, the Kaminoans put in there in, in, into the clones and they flipped for order 66, it made you think that they just became mindless automatons. That's just the kind of way it came off during all of season one, a bad batch. Right. And now all of a sudden I'm starting to wonder, you know, are, are, the clones able to start when they start feeling remorse and, and regret and, and having independent thought, does that override the chip in its orders? That's what it It, seems like. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's amazing. It's a whole new angle that, that, that the fans are now going to be going on and and wondering what's going to be happening here. So I can't wait for the next few episodes to see what they come up with to see what, how this all kind of links together. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a lot more excited about this season, I think, now than after these first three episodes than I was previously. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, just as a side note, do you happen to know anything about episode four? Do you know any, like, what the story's about, or? No clue. I, I, I really am not much of a spoiler seeker. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's out there, but I really, I would rather just watch it in the moment. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree with you. I agree with you because then it's it, it makes it no you know it's just no fun. It gets boring because you know a, a third of what's happening. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, all, all right. right. So I, I think we've kind of uh, really really had a deep dive into the first three episodes of the Bad Batch uh, mm-hmm. over the last several minutes. So what do you say we turn the conversation towards Star Trek? Absolutely, sounds good to me. Live long and prosper. All right, so uh, we had the final four episodes of Star Trek Prodigy air uh, right through the Christmas holiday. Um, It wrapped up, what, at the end of December? Yes, December 29th. Yeah, yeah, so right at the end of December. So we we got to go into 2023 not having any more episodes of the show. Uh, so that we could focus on the rest of <laughs> what's coming this mm-hmm. year. So uh, we're going to talk about the last four episodes of Star Trek Prodigy. So that was episodes 17 through 20. Uh, mm-hmm. Episodes 19 and 20, of course, were a two-part finale. So mm-hmm. let's talk about episode 17. Uh, this one was called, what, Ghosts in the Machine, correct? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I did, I did write down the episode names for this, <laughs> for Prodigy. Just not for Bad Batch. No, I got um, you. I printed them off Wikipedia. <laughs> nice, nice. So, Ghost in the Machine was our classic uh, holodeck episode, and you know, uh, a lot of the Trek story tropes uh, from holodeck episodes, you know, were were presented here uh, mm-hmm. in animated form. So, uh, why don't you give us a little walkthrough or breakdown of the episode, Chris? All right. So basically. It turns out that hologram Janeway actually caused them to be trapped in the holodeck. They were just having fun experimenting and all of a sudden they weren't able to leave. And what ended up happening was, is they started jumping into different holographic scenarios that 
each one of the the characters had, I guess, for for their interests. Mm-hmm. So uh, Zero ended up having some sort of detective story that they started out. It was almost it almost kind of seemed like they were trying to get uh, out of like a what are those like those houses that people those escape rooms is, mm-hmm. is what I'm I'm thinking about. That's kind of <laughs> what it came out of, out from. So they had to find some sort of key. And then they managed to go outside of this this haunted mansion or whatever into a street fighting simulation of Jenkin Pogs, which basically focused on a whole bunch of Tellarites. And I think that if I remember correctly, the key was a tattoo on one of the Tellarites chests. Then they end up moving into a jazz club simulation that was Murph's and Murph started putting on like a like a 1930s kind of like Frank Sinatra kind of singing kind of thing which really surprised the crew really be honest i think surprised the audience because all murph does is squeal during you know (laughs) during the episodes but all of a sudden now he's singing with you know a voice okay and then they they end up going into a dal's pirate simulation which i i I didn't find that very interesting that one kind of bored me but uh then they go into rock's virtual pet scenario and kind of meet some of her little pets that she created. And what was interesting about the episode is that zero realized that everything that they're being, they're moving into one program after another, but they're not solving anything. They're just having another mystery to solve. And he deduces basically that they're being, there's, they're being kept inside the holodeck for some reason. And what we end up finding out is that there's that device that the protostar is carrying I can't remember what exactly the name was, but basically it's designed that if the Federation hails the ship, the, the protostar, it'll end up affecting all of Starfleet, literally mm-hmm. just basically destroying the whole fleet. And so basically hologram Janeway finds out that it was she who trapped them in there from some weird secret subroutine that she wasn't aware yeah. of. For, oh, it's called the construct. That's what it's called, the construct. So basically what she was ordered to do is keep them in the holodeck moving through these programs until they reach Federation space. And then there'd be no way to, for them to stop what, what happened. So, but eventually Janeway let them out and they were, everything was pretty good. I thought it was an interesting episode. It, it definitely added to, to a little bit of the danger that's going to be happening with, with the protostar reaching yeah. Federation space, you know, but I kind of thought at the same time, it was a little bit of a filler episode. A lot of those holodeck episodes tend to be fillers, even though they're interesting, but what did you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, I, it it for the most part it felt like a filler episode, but it was still adding story. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Prodigy is mostly episodic, but there are still you know small plot threads that that run yes. through every episode, which is what I kind of enjoy. I don't I don't mind having episodic Trek. Oh uh, no, not you know, at all. Like that. And but it's it's very similar to how episodic Trek did you know was with with next generation and ds9 you know mm-hmm. there were character driven moments and character development development moments that you know appeared even though most of the episodes were uh one-offs you know mm-hmm. they didn't really they weren't telling a consistent narrative but every character was moving in a direction yes yes and- absolutely no i agree i agree with you i agree with you i like the how it shows a lot of the, the positive interactions with the crew members and, and developing their personalities i've genuinely come to really love rock's attention with murph you don't expect this big beast of a rock creature to 
have like the, this big heart for some squishy little creature. Right. And she's been nothing but, but caring and supportive of, of that character and watching doll actually starting to become more of a leader. Um, and, and, kind of accepting who he is, especially now that he's an augment and, mm-hmm. and, not, and kind of tr- trying to figure out who he is and where he fits in, in the universe, you know, yeah. it, it, that was really good. And I think we saw a little bit in this episode and it actually started to strengthen even more in the last three. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you, do you have a favorite holodeck program of the ones that we saw? Uh, you know, I think I like Zero's detective story. And I think a lot of that is because I'm a big fan of the board game Clue. And it mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Just the, yeah. the setting and, and you know, the, the basic story of it. So what about you? What did you enjoy? Oh, come on. I, I, I had to pick Murph's as my favorite. <laughs> I had a hunch. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, one, two reasons. Uh, you know, we have, it was completely, completely shocking that, that that's what we got as Murph's holodeck program. Nobody expected that, like you said. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we have another great lounge singer in, in Trek, uh, you yes. know, joining the ranks of uh, Mr. Vic Fontaine himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great point. And yeah, yeah but the, the question is, when's Murph going to start talking for real? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we know he can. We know he can it's- sing at least. Yeah, absolutely. I think didn't, didn't one of them even say he can Murph can sing? I think yeah. one, one of them made the comment of which right. kind of reminded uh, me. Of, yeah, it kind of reminded me of an episode in Picard season two when uh, Picard was down sick in that clinic and and Raffi said to everybody, "Wow, Gerardi uh, can sing." <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of those moments. Yes, yeah, uh, and a little Star Wars connection. You do know who does the quote unquote voice of Murph, right? Yes, D. Bradley Baker. Mm-hmm. Right. So the voice of all the clones is also the voice of Murph. So I wonder if that was his singing voice. That would be really interesting to find out. Definitely. Maybe, yeah. you know, going on memory alpha, maybe that would be a good little research thing just to check out. Perhaps. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll look into it after the show. Me too. I think that'd be a great idea. <laughs> all right. right. Uh, I, I think we've kind of covered episode 17. Uh, yes. Let's move on to episode 18, Mind Walk. Uh, mm-hmm. This was another kind of classic uh trek plot device you know with with body swapping between mm-hmm. characters uh yes. it's definitely been used quite a few times in the past but mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's good to see a lot of these classic trek story tropes coming into animation that's designed mm-hmm. for kids right yes mm-hmm. yeah uh, so why don't you give us a little rundown of episode 18 Okay, so at this part, in this episode, basically, we find out the Protostar is still heading for Federation space, but Vice Admiral Janeway's ship, the Dauntless, is following close behind. Dahl tries to use his telepathy to try to use, to warn Admiral Janeway about what's going on with the construct and to not act, to not contact or hail them. But in the, in the process, they actually switch bodies in with their minds. So Janeway in Dahl's body is learning the story of the Protostar's crew and actually is able to repair hologram Janeway and finally vows to help the team. So finally, they get an ally from the Federation at this point, which is great. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, though, you know, while Janeway can be nice and, and prim and proper, Dahl, as we know, is not that that season, <laughs> you know, so he's walking around in Janeway's body, you know, 
saying cool and and stumbling over his words and making little guns that he's waving with with, with the hands so the crew <laughs> obviously knows something's not up that she's either being mind controlled or she's going mentally ill <laughs> something to that effect right and but, so we but, eventually yeah, what the, ends the final up, straw was the the coffee though <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so they basically they they decide that they have to arrest Janeway and put her put her in, you know, in the in the brig or whatever. But eventually what ends up happening is uh on the Dauntless, Dahl attempts to pass as the admiral more and more but is finally able to get out of the ship. Both of them are able to get out of their prospective ships and they join hands so that way they can actually swap minds again and if mm -hmm. i remember correctly there was some sort of power beam or something that they used to cause that to happen so they were able yeah. to get back on their own ships and the episode ends with they find they're in in front of a federation fleet basically and it's a mix of like akira class ships sovereign class ships and i think a bunch of defiant class ships too so it was a nice little little uh throwback to older track mm -hmm. you know so yeah what do you think of the episode I, I thought it was overall, I thought it was a really enjoyable episode. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add to what you've already said, but do you recall uh, when we were last talking about Prodigy, how excited I was for you to watch this particular episode uh, yes. to see if you caught a reference that, uh, you know, a reference to something that you talked about actually at length in our Halloween episode. Oh, really? Did you catch it? I probably didn't. <laughs> okay. Uh, so at one point, uh, Janeway was talking to Dal and mentioned about having once been a lizard. Yes, 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 yes. That's right. I did catch that. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, nice little reference to Threshold. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, that episode is one of the least popular episodes of the Star Trek universe, but it's constantly referenced and brought up in fandom. It's crazy, you know, sometimes it's with dubious honors, but yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But Hey, I mean, I guess, it, I mean, it, it was a crappy episode, but it, it actually, it's stuck in a lot of minds of people because of how campy and silly it was, mm -hmm. you know? So cool. Yeah. I, I thought it was a great episode to finally get us into Federation space. And of course it was a shocker to see this whole big armada, you know, um, cause we know what's coming, you know, what the danger is to all of, of, the Federation. At least now, though, the crew of the Protostar know that they got an ally with Janeway there, and Janeway can warn them, but not knowing that Janeway is, be, is, be, is basically a prisoner at this point on board the Dauntless. You know? So, but it led into the, the two-part finale perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Oh, yeah. I guess, and, do you have anything... And... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was actually just going to awkwardly segue us into talking about episodes 19 and 20 of, of, <laughs> of Prodigy. So, uh, hey, awkward, awkward or not, we're, we're going with it. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, let, let's treat this as a, as a true two-parter and just talk about them both rather than separating the episodes. So, Absolutely. uh, why don't you give us a breakdown and tell us your thoughts overall? Overall, I, th I thought it was a pretty good episode. So basically what ends up happening is we have uh, the Diviner has finally got his memories back. And then we have the Vindicator who is basically, I guess, disguising herself as one of the Dauntless crew members as a Trill. And we find out that she was sent back from the future as well to kind of, I guess, help the Diviner or fulfill the mission of sabotaging the Federation, destroying them as, as needed so they would never meet the Valnakot. 
And then obviously there's a new Dreadnought or General Grievous character that's, <laughs> that's there. So what ended up happening was the Dauntless crew decided they were going to hail the Protostar. At the last second, Janeway tried to stop them. She managed to get onto the bridge, which surprised everybody that she was free, but it was too late. So the Construct actually sent the, vi- the computer virus to all of the, the, the Federation fleet members there. And basically it caused the Federation ships to start attacking each other and basically destroying themselves from within. And so unfortunately that it, it continues to be very, very widespread. And while the protostar crew is trying to find a way to stop this, the, the, the protostar manages to get in contact. If I remember correctly with a Klingon bird of prey and Admiral, the, the hologram Janeway is able to kind of convince her and maybe some other aliens in the in the sector to come in and use their shields to kind of protect mm-hmm. the federation ships from destroying each other and so they managed to end up coming together in that regard yeah um let's see here um and then apparently what happens is because the 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 virus is affecting the communication systems in the fleet the ship's translators even on the protostar right. go down so everybody's talking in their own their own languages nobody can understand each other but Gwen actually said that she was able to study different languages when she, they were all still in the Delta Quadrant. So she was able to send out these distress signals, and it also brought the Federation out fleet as well. But unfortunately, what ends up happening is, is that affects those ships as well. So in, in that led into part two, where the crew of the Protostar figure out what can we do to stop this destruction that's going on. Yeah. And they work together and decide that they can use the Proto-Warp, and they can send the ship away with the proto-warp, but also simultaneously destroy it. In the process, they realize that hologram Janeway is going to end up being destroyed. So she says, no, don't worry about it. I can get myself a copy on an isolinear chip. You could take me with you. So what they do is they use the, the, the ship's ability to like, they have like a ship replicator in there and are building a a special, a shuttle for them to get out. Hologram Janeway finds out that she can't download herself, that because of all the experiences she had with the Protostar crew, she grew so much that her program couldn't be downloaded. So she gives them the isolinear chip. It doesn't tell them that they can't, that she can't go with them. And what she does is she basically, she the, the, they release the shuttle and Hologram Janeway detonates the proto-warp while, while the ship's at, at warp. And basically it destroys it destroys the ship and it is able to stop the whatever uh transmission is going on with the federation right. fleet so uh but it, they end up accessing the isolinear chip and they just get a basic message from hologram Janeway saying i couldn't be downloaded how much i valued and loved all of you guys and you know good luck with everything that they do so then they get to the really good part of the episode i loved i love that we got to go back to earth and it was interesting seeing these cr- yeah. these people being on trial. I mean, they're kids, you know, and they went out of their way to try to save the Federation and they're on trial. Kind of reminded me of Star Trek four a little bit, the ending um, yeah. when they were on trial. But of course, Admiral Janeway advocates for them because she knows what actually happened. And she agrees to basically take on some people may know this reference um, from the facts of life. Uh, the Mrs. Garrett role, basically, and takes these kids on under her under her wing basically and has them be warrant officers on a new mission to find captain Chakotay um, and the original protostar crew. And unfortunately, even though they all thought that doll was not going to be able to go and join them because of him being an augment, but they actually allow him to do so, but they won't allow Gwen. 
because of, of what her people had done. So Gwen chooses to go to her home world to try to, to prevent the civil war that eventually would happen and, mm-hmm. and go from there. So she leaves them behind. The episode ends with what looks like a brand new protostar, the protostar a, and that's going to be the ship that they take on in season two to find Chakotay. I don't think that's accurate, Chris. You don't, you don't think that's the, no, the new protostar. No. no, no, I, I do not think they are going to, be on the protostar. I, I believe Janeway even mentioned that that is not going to be their ship because it oh, was really? too small. Interesting. Yeah, you, yeah, no, I um no, Janeway specifically said that they were not taking the protostar A. Ah, oh, wow. Okay. I must have missed that. I remember her saying yeah. about that being the the protostar success caused them to now it's going to be a protostar class. But I right. honestly thought that was going to be their ship. So, okay. Nope, I'm going to nope. have to watch it again. All yeah, right. I and that leads me to believe that we are going to see a new version of Voyager that Janeway commands. Ah, okay. You know what? You may abs- actually be right because I was watching, well, I didn't watch it, but I saw a clip from Trek Yards on YouTube. And apparently it showed a little ship or a little shuttle um, that said NCC 74656-A. So maybe you're right about so that. Maybe there's Voyager a new Voyager. A. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> so like, you're probably right. Now that makes that makes sense. That makes it. Now yeah. that would be really cool. They're spending all this time on the Protostar A. They've named an entire class after the original ship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that, that whole thing was just like a whole like uh, it was just a red herring. It seemed like interesting. That yeah. is very interesting. I mean, because you would think. I mean, like that would be like you, you know, like with the original series after the Enterprise was destroyed, they put them all on the Excelsior for the rest of the movies. It just wouldn't mm-hmm. have fit, you know what I mean? Right. So them not doing the Protostar would be kind of odd. But I mean, hey, you know, th- that's one thing that, that's different about this generation of, of Trek is they seem to take different kind of chances with stuff, yeah. like killing off characters and replacing them very quickly and, and things like that. So maybe, you know, that's what they're going to do. No more Protostar. Yeah, I mean, obviously it exists in Starfleet, but yeah, we're not going to see it, I don't think, in, in future seasons of Prodigy. Oh, interesting. Interesting. At this point, we don't know when season two of Prodigy is going to premiere, except it's supposed to be from apparently late 2023, which I said in our previous episode. So, yeah. you know, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see where this goes. I think this was a wonderful season. I think this this particular series of episodes really kind of pulled it all together and really made a very interesting show. Yeah. And and the way with like with animation, you know, the the they have to work on that so many years in advance. So they had probably done a lot of the um, the the animation and the storyboarding and and, and a lot of the, the stuff for season two before we even saw the second half of season one, if I had to guess. Yes. So I, I'm sure this was in the plan for quite some time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait for I can't wait for season two. And honestly, this show is excellent for kids, but it's also really good at drawing the adults in, too, because there are a lot of adult adult moments in it. It's not like this 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 little kitty show, you know, and and I think out of a lot of the the current Star Trek, it really brings out the ideals of what Gene Roddenberry tried talking about with Star Trek, about people working together and accepting differences and you know, learning from mistakes and it's, and just, you know, working together for the greater good. I just, it's a wonderful example of what Star Trek's all about. So I, I'm glad it's going to continue. 
Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this finale. Um, mm-hmm. Just some of the, the things that I really thought were, uh, you know, kind of standouts. Um, Gwen was just incredible in, in mm-hmm. the, that two episode arc. Like the fact that she was able to, you know, to speak all those languages, that her father made her learn all those languages. It, it was in an effort to turn the Federation species against one another. And uh-huh. then she is constantly fighting her programming and her intended purpose by using it to help the Federation. I thought that was yeah. a nice little twist um, and, and, you know, let you know that it, no matter what our programming, that we can still influence uh, the path that we take. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. Kind of interesting because that seems to be the thread that's running through Bad Batch. Right. Exactly. Thought? <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they, they all seem to connect. Well, hey, well, that's the whole point of our podcast is comparing <laughs> right? the two. You know, this is so true. Good. This is true. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then now we're you know the whole Starfleet distress protocol that called all the ships uh, to the location of the protostar. Do you know if that has ever been used in Trek before, or was that brand new for this? I, to be honest with you, I think it was brand new. I don't remember them actually calling the entire like an entire fleet with them unless maybe they did that in what in picard season two maybe and i'm just not remembering in 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 the premiere when uh all those ships came to to the anomaly to assist the stargazer um maybe maybe not i'm i i don't know but i mean maybe that's the closest thing to it but yeah i don't Mm -hmm. remember in any other the older treks that actually happening yeah um i don't i don't know and maybe it's in the the uh the book material which i know isn't canon anymore but it did at one point it did used to be canon Mm -hmm. so i I don't know if that has ever been used before but i'd be interested to find out right right absolutely Um, did you get some echoes or vibes of wesley crusher with gwen you know she having to make the decision to leave uh, the the crew of the protostar that she had gotten to know over all those years, you know, to to return to Solom to try and influence her people not to fall into the same pattern that led to the mission to come destroy the Federation. I, I, I thought that was very similar to how Wesley made the choice to go with the Traveler mm-hmm. and continue yeah. his journey away from the Enterprise and away from Starfleet. Right. You know, I didn't make that that connection, but now that you're saying it, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of similarities with that. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I can't think that Gwyn won't pop up in season two somehow to to aid this new mission. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how she grow she grew she grew as a character over the, this period of time, whatever time jump it's going to be. You know, right. kind of like with Wesley. You know, with Wesley, maybe she'll end up right. being like the link that kind of brings the Federation and her people together in a pro- a positive way rather than the destructive way it did in the previous timeline. Right. We can hope. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Star Either that, hope. Right. Either that or we'll just see um like Gwen being like a B plot or an A plot of an episode. You know, we might see Gwen doing what she's doing in Solom while we're still keeping up with the, the crew with uh, the crew of the 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 original protostar and Janeway. Right. Exactly. That's a good point. That's a good point. Or they might even do just a one-off episode briefly, you know, uh, like they did with Bad Batch here just, yeah. just this week, you know, and, and, and yeah. it might just be a one-off, but it might have threads that lead into the rest of the season, you yeah, know. but I, I just, I can't see one of the main characters from season one not having more than 
uh, one or two episodes. Right. No, I agree with you. And especially since she has that relationship with doll. I mean, they kissed in mm-hmm. the finale, you know, right. so there's obvious feelings that are developing there. You know, it's almost as like how Janeway is so close with Chakotay. That's doll and Gwyn now as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so who knows that might, that might end up mirroring somehow. I mean, there's that Janeway Chakotay shipping thing that's going on on Twitter. You know, everybody's dying to see them kiss and become a couple. Of course, every yeah. and, well, you know that's that's how some people just make sense of the world, right? They, sure. they exactly jump on you know they they ship characters. It's their way of connecting, their way of finding meaning. Absolutely, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to see characters hook up. <laughs> it's, right, it's, it's right. Not. It's human nature. <laughs> you know? Very true. Very yeah. true. Uh, do you have any last thoughts on anything that we talked about today? Not, not really. Just that uh, you know, Prodigy season one was was much more impressive than I thought it would be. Much mm-hmm. more layered. I thought I honestly, when they announced this show, I didn't know what they were going to do with it. I didn't think it had a really interesting premise. It just sounded like a bunch of teenagers that were just going to steal a ship and go on adventures. But they really built a very detailed, layered story with really good characters that they're actually showing and growing. So that's going to be great to continue to see. Um, It's the same thing with the Bad Batch, you know, watching watching these brothers coming together and trying to take care of Omega while trying to to survive, you know, and and seeing what they can do to try to help people against the Empire. I, I just think it's we're going to see it grow more and more and more. And I just, and and we're going to see like, I think some really interesting battles and some crew interactions, and we're going to see some interesting stuff coming up with the empire. So I think I can't wait for to watch the rest of this season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm, I'm a lot more excited about it now after the first three episodes than I Uh was initially. So that's good. Um, Oh, oh, the one thing I, I know I had messaged you about this, uh, you know, in our in our Facebook Messenger chat, but mm-hmm. everything like at, at the very, very end of uh, the final episode of Prodigy, we saw that little cameo that I told you about. Yes, I had so. no clue who that was. <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought she looked familiar at first. I'm like, no, that can't be. And then mm-hmm. I started looking. I looked at her. Uh, her um, Instagram page and she had posted those pictures. I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, yep, that makes sense. That makes yes. perfect sense. And, and for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, friend of the podcast, Dr. Aaron McDonald, who is the current science and technical advisor for the Star Trek series on Paramount Plus, actually made her Trek debut in the final moments of episode 20 of Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, as and she was a science officer who was uh, watching Rock Talk interact uh, with all the creatures in that little lab. Mm-hmm. So I yes. thought that was and and that was also her voice as well. You know the one or two lines that she spoke. Mm-hmm. So. Man, she must have geeked out when she did that because I mean you imagine because right? she told us in her our interview with her how much of a fan she was for years, and yeah. now she's actually an official part of it with a character and. I, and I, that would that's just that would be mind blowing. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you're new to our show and you have not yet gone into our back catalog to listen to our interview with Dr. Aaron McDonald, that was episode ten, and it was a fun episode to record. Fun to talk to Dr. Aaron. Uh, I kind of would like to bring her back on the show at some point to see mm-hmm. if uh, you know she happens you know ha- to have any insight on on that process. Absolutely. Yeah, it but, was it was a fun hour and a half or whatever it was to, for us to yeah. talk to her. You know, it was yeah. a blast. So that'd be great. 
Absolutely. Uh, but on that note, I think we are going to wrap up episode 22 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers podcast. Uh, until we get back together and talk again, I am Jonathan. And I'm Chris. May the Force be with you. And live long and prosper. <laughs>